Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, quick trigger warning. We do talk about suicide in this episode. If you're not mentally or emotionally prepared for that conversation, feel free to skip this. Otherwise, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today I'm here with Morgan. Morgan is an author, Reiki master, and spiritual teacher. Morgan Chonis is an expert at initiating transformation, growth, accountability, and clarity for women ready to live their juiciest lives. After building a wildly successful bi-coastal life, Morgan blew it all up and began to unravel the bullshit stories that kept her from her divine purpose, taking a deep dive into her own wounds, trauma, and conditioning. Morgan has committed to a life of constant and never-ending improvement. In order to heal the world, we must first heal ourselves. Well, Morgan, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So I'd love for you to start us off. You actually had, this was probably a while ago. I'm like, when I was reading the application, I'm like, that was probably a while ago. Uh, You broke your vertebrae in your back. I did. Yeah, I did. I fractured two vertebrae playing soccer. Well, tell us about that and how that led into like, issues afterwards and down the road and just like take us through it hindsight that event affected a lot um so I grew up an athlete I played soccer since I was five years old that was the plan of my life uh you know I was going to go on to play in so I was going to go on to play in college I was going to become a professional women's national player you know the whole the whole plan was laid out since five years old with my family And really what happened was I got two fractures in my vertebrae and they didn't find it for almost three years. Wow. Yeah. And so I kept playing on it because I'm like, well, obviously like we got stuff to do here, you know, (laughs) (laughs) can't just be laying around. And really in hindsight, I can see that that was my body's first attempt to kind of get my attention. right? Right. And when, especially whether you're an athlete or you're on a career path, you know, from a childhood age or whatever that conditioning is that you're brought up with, that's kind of the only focus. And Mm -hmm. what we, what I know now, and what I help other people with is one of the main things is learning to listen, learning to listen to your body. And so I can see so clearly now that experience was my body's way of trying to tell me like, yo girl, like, this is all so out of alignment, but that didn't change my trajectory at the time. And so that was when there was a time in this country where pharmaceutical drugs were very prescribed by doctors. So I was on a slew of, um, pain medication. And that was really the first time that, well, we lost a friend in, in, in high school, excuse me. And as one does, when you lose somebody close to you that you love in high school, you throw them an honorary kegger, right? (laughs) And 
And that was the first time that I mixed my pills and alcohol. Gotcha. And that moment was so definitive in my life because it was the first time I was comfortable in my own skin. Mm. And so I chased that feeling for another 10 years until I got sober. Um, so it really was the catalyst for so much that happened in my life. And now I am a, I'm a sober woman of, of dignity and grace in the 12 step program. I have sponsees and I work with other people regularly on unraveling whatever this, you know, bullshit conditioning is, whatever your flavor is, you know, that you grew up with. I grew up very much in the good girl model is I did not get into a lot of trouble. I find you either, you either rebelled against how you were conditioned or you played the role and you are likely a recovering perfectionist, which is where I fall in. (laughs) (laughs) Same. And so for me, that point, when I broke those vertebrae, I was 15. So I, I thought that I was working towards this goal of who I was supposed to be, you Mm -hmm. know, who I thought I should be. And just like that, it's all gone. Mm -hmm. And so at those, you know, high school is an awkward time anyways, but having everything that you have built your life to be being taken away from you, I had no idea who I was or what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. And so all I needed to do was numb that and pretend that everything was fine. I, um, I didn't end up with an alcohol addiction, but I spent many years using it to, uh, cope, you know, like just feel comfortable in my own skin. I too have the perfection recovering perfectionist over here. Mine was grades. Um, I was always, uh, my grade or my parents always like put pressure on me to have Mm -hmm. good grades. If I got less than an A, they'd be like, what happened here? I know you can do better than that. I'm I'm not mad, but I'm disappointed. Yeah. I'm like looking back and I was like, I would never do that to my kids. Like a B (laughs) is fine. The only time I get, uh, I got upset with my uh, oldest daughter. She graduated high school was when she got a D. Cause I'm like, I feel like a D you're not putting in any effort, like anything above a D, I don't care. Um, put in a little bit of effort at least. Yeah, you put in enough not to fail. Uh, so yeah, I, I never wanted to do that to my kids because then I uh, ended up flunking out of college my first time because I, you know, got into the party scene mm-hmm. and had all these friends, or at least I thought I had friends. And then I flunked out of college and I was like, you like, the thing, the thing that defined me, right. The thing that the pressure was put on me and it disappeared mm-hmm. and, and like everybody was so disappointed that I flunked yep. out of college. And I mean, now I'm in a master's program, but like, it took <laughs> congratulations. Ma- thank you. It took many years to like, realize like that is not a, def- that's not a defining, like that doesn't define me. Like gr- good right. grades don't define me. I still have a hard time. Like if mm-hmm. I get less than an A in college, I cry <laughs> <laughs> because I'm just like, no. And then I have to like, whoo, sigh, you're okay. Everything's okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that is conditioned behavior for sure. Yeah. Um, so like, did you start, so you had a business, I mean, you still have a business, but you had a point in time where success became kind of an addiction as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and any, 
Oh, I won't speak for anybody else. For me, I'm the type of person that it's very easy to substitute one addiction for another. And I waited a really long time before I got into a 12 step program, which I don't recommend to anybody, uh, mainly because I thought it was a religious thing and it's not. And so that kept me out for a really long time. And so subsequently what had happened was I started building this really big, beautiful life for myself before I started actively working on this program, which gives you a lot of beautiful tools to cope for life, which is why, you know, even as you mentioned, you know, this is why we use other things, you know, to cope, Mm -hmm. you know, because life, life is hard sometimes. Yeah. And so my life got really big and my, my self, my wellness, my integrity got really small. And so I was bi-coastal. I had an apartment in Huntington Beach, California, and an apartment in Brooklyn. And I was producing these huge events all over the country. Mm-hmm. And I had built this really beautiful life. And that particular industry, one is very male dominated. And so I, this notion of who I had to be as a woman to be taken seriously, let alone be successful. Yeah. You know, I had this persona and I got good at it you know, because I'm a perfectionist and I'm not going to fail. And, (laughs) you know, these men are sure as hell not going to stop me from my goals. And so you can see how that thread just really Mm -hmm. intertwined through every area of my life. And I got good at it because, you know, that's the way it goes. Like when you are a perfectionist or you were raised to be great, you're going to be great. There's no option to fail. There's no option. (laughs) It's not an option. And that's a really scary thing. Mm -hmm. There's a really scary amount of pressure to to have put on an individual. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's why my book, writing this book was so important for me because one, I was, it was an act of practicing using my own voice and telling my side of a lot of these stories that were never told before but also as a way of sharing with other people that this isn't, I don't, I, I hate using the word normal, but like, this is not healthy. Right. But so many of us were, were kind of, at least in our age range, I would say it's yeah. very generational were raised this way. Mm-hmm. And, and I got really good at it. And I used to wear that as a badge of honor, mm-hmm. you know, I would numb so hard. I would, you know, this, this rise and grind hustle mode, you know, was cool and it's so unhealthy. It's so, so unhealthy. And so this idea of unraveling the bullshit stories and these conditionings are really taking a look at what areas in my life am I performing? Mm versus am I living? And when I think of am I living, I think of that's the healthy, slower, you know, which is not easy. I'll tell you right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having been sick for the last two weeks, slow is not my forte. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm getting a lot of great practice. <laughs> so really, you know, that thread was, was really the, the defining kind of characteristic through my life as I transitioned into adulthood and I was miserable. Mm. I was so miserable that even in sobriety, I was suicidal. I was probably five years into sobriety and I was at my lowest. 
because I finally hit the point where I was like, I cannot go on like this. Mm. It's so out of alignment. It's no longer in integrity. I was not willing to put my name on some of the things that were being asked of me. And I was looking around at my life, just like, what? Like, this is what my life has become. Like, no. And it, it took a pretty big punch in the face from the universe for me to be like, whoa, okay. So like, what I'm was willing- that rock bottom moment? <laughs> like that punch in the face. What was that like? I had everything I could dream of. Mm-hmm. And I sat on my porch in Huntington Beach, mind you, where no one smokes in California. <laughs> and I was smoking multiple cigarettes per sitting. And I was just, I had this kind of like, kind of like a rocking chair on my porch. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there and I was looking at this tree. I was living a mile from the beach. I had my Mercedes and all this money. And I, you know, was traveling back and forth to New York. And I sat there and I contemplated how to commit my suicide. Mm -hmm. And that scared the shit out of me. Yeah. You know, I've suffered from anxiety and depression before, you know, as many perfectionists do. And so luckily I have an existing mental health team. um, And one of my best friends was one of my doctors. And so I picked up the phone at some point in this, you know, fog of darkness And I heard what came out of my mouth Mm. and she's like, okay. And she goes, uh, here's my suggestion. I suggest you call and talk to your sponsor and call me back and let me know what you want to do. And so I called my sponsor. And again, I heard what came out of my mouth and I was like, okay, I'm willing to go back on antidepressants. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and I truly think it saved my life. You know, I do think that there's, there's a time and space for outside help. And I, I will never poo poo it on anybody. You know, I think therapy is one of the greatest things in the world. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In dating. That's one of my favorite things to be like, so what's your, what are your feelings about therapy? (laughs) How how well are you uh, aware of your, your dramas? (laughs) Because I think it's so important and it's very taboo, especially, I mean, I think it's taboo anywhere to talk about to talk about recovery, to talk about therapy, you know, depression, anything like that. But, um, I was very intentional. I was like, this is not a long-term solution for me. So here's my plan, my mental, my mental health plan. I know you guys are the doctors, but let me just let you know how this is going to go. Yeah. Um, and we stuck to it, you know, as, as soon as we got to a point that was safe again, we weaned me off. Mm-hmm. And it got really important that my mental health was not a joke. Yeah. And so I had to either choose, you know, for me, it was a, it was a choice. It was, am I going to be on these medications for the rest of my life? Or am I going to do mm-hmm. something about it? Which isn't, I mean, I just want to clarify, that's not an option for everyone. For, for 100%. example, 100%. I have bipolar disorder. So mm-hmm. <laughs> coming off my meds would be uh, dangerous for everybody involved. <laughs> so, 100%. And that's yeah. why having a mental health team, I can't recommend enough. Mm-hmm. You know, so these are people who I had already had established relationships with. They knew me, they knew my patterns. Yeah. And luckily, and I'm so grateful for this, is I have other tools. Yeah. I was choosing not to use them. (laughs) And so for me, that was really the point where when I agreed 
to save my life, when I agreed to choose Mm -hmm. to live, I was like, okay, I'm willing to use these tools. I had additional support along the way until I got my footing again, but I I wasn't willing to, I wasn't willing to play anymore. Yeah. And so I, I woke up one day out of a dead sleep and there was some stuff going on with my business partner. And, um, I woke up and I just knew like today's the day I'm, I'm resigning. I picked up the phone and I did, and he accepted my resignation, which was a really huge blow to my ego, (laughs) but it's what needed to happen. And so that was really the, that was really the, the bottom for me. Yeah. And and I really just had to break my own heart. Like this was my baby. These were, you know, we owned three businesses together at that point. And that events company, you know, was, was our baby, you know, we mm-hmm. built from nothing. And I had to walk away from this incredible team that we had built and these incredible opportunities to travel the world. And I was just like, yeah, this is, this is what has to be done. Like I can't, it's not a joke anymore. Mm-hmm. When you have mental health struggles, you have to be very intentional about what you do and how you treat yourself and treat your body and how do you build your life? People don't realize how much effort and time goes into mm-hmm. like maintaining good health, mental health. Like, yeah. you know, I just mentioned I'm on medication. Uh, most people with bipolar disorder are because it's kind of one of those things that that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also I got to get good sleep. Uh, I cut off relationship with my mom two and a half years ago because she was not good for my mental Mm -hmm. health on the caveat that she would go to therapy and heal her wounds, but she didn't. So here we are still not having a relationship, but that, um, you know, uh, who I surround myself besides Mm -hmm. my, my mother, um, you know, how I take care of my body, like not eating a bunch of crap and, mm-hmm. you know, make, making sure, like, I'm pretty sure I already said getting enough sleep and, you know, being, you know, knowing where my limits are knowing when yeah. it's, you know, some days I have to say, you know what, this is not one of those days that I can really do a whole lot because I I'm struggling a little bit. And so giving myself grace and mm. people don't understand is like each day you, when you have mental health struggles, each day you wake up and you have to choose yourself. Like versus like, you know, choosing to like not do the things like there's some days where I'm like, I don't need sleep, but I'm like, no, you need sleep. I want you (laughs) to go to bed. So what were those things for you? Like you talk about these tools and I, I too have a mental health team. Um, but like you talk about these tools that helped you, um, and I I assume still help you be able Mm -hmm. to maintain a good mental health. Absolutely. Um, one you kind of alluded to is boundaries. Mm. And that for me was so hard to learn because yeah, <laughs> as, as a perfectionist, I'm also a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And so learning boundaries and putting my mental health and myself first was so hard to learn. I'm still mm. not great at it. You know, I'm not, I'm not perfect. And, but I would say that that was the biggest thing I had to learn first was you know, when I don't want to do something or something's no longer in alignment for me, no is a complete sentence. Yep. And that was probably the hardest thing was saying no to certain people in my family. And for me at the time, it was being in my hometown Mm -hmm. and I had, I had recently lost my father. And so I had this pattern 
where I would come back uh, to my hometown and I would save the family restaurant. And it was this super dysfunctional relationship that I had with the restaurant and this and that. And, you know, since I was young, this is a pattern. And, you know, my dad was my ride or die and my best friend. And so I really got to practice this when my father passed away. And I was like, okay, this is what we've trained for. Yeah. (laughs) Like this is, (laughs) this is the practice here is like, you can fall back into these old patterns that everybody knows you're great at, or we've been working really hard on these boundaries and it's going to be awkward for a while, but I'm choosing myself. Mm -hmm. And so I would say learning boundaries was, and is probably one of the like hands down non-negotiables for me. Yeah. Um, And then the other is, was, is learning to listen to my body which we kind of mm-hmm. talked about already earlier. And when those days where you're like, you said it beautifully, where you're like, I just don't have that much to give today. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't wake up every day with the same amount of bright, bubbly energy, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Me um, too. But that was actually something I, I really had to be very intentional about. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I was using coffee and other, you know, stimulants and sugar and these sorts of things as mood altering substitutions. Gotcha. And so on those days where I was like, man, I don't have a lot today. I'd be like, mm-hmm. just go get a latte, you know, mm-hmm. you know, have a little caffeine, this and that. And I would use that. And I realized that's still the same old behavior. Mm-hmm. And so I actually got off coffee completely. I'm probably getting close to a year like 10 months maybe. And I'll have tea. So I do have like a little bit of caffeine because I'm not a totally crazy person. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I'm really intentional about paying attention to my body when Mm -hmm. it's those days where I'm like, is my body actually asking me to rest Mm -hmm. or do I want a cup of coffee? Usually my body is actually telling me like, Hey, you're really dehydrated. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should eat some lunch. You don't actually need, uh, there's a saying it is called halt. Are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Oh, usually one of those, usually one of those four things. I'm usually a combination of them is usually the issue. Not that I need a caffeine boost. (laughs) Yeah. So that's one of my go-tos. And I recommend to people all the time is like, Okay, stop for a second and pause and check in. Are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Usually I'm a combination of many. (laughs) And it's like, okay, let's address that one first and then see how we feel. Usually my body's like, you're tired. How about you just, you know, because some nights you just don't sleep well or there's a lot, you're stressed out. And, you know, sometimes you just need to give yourself that, that little break. Uh, but when you were talking about boundaries and dysfunctional, yeah, I, re- I this weekend, I, I had uh, a challenge to that. Uh, I went to visit my grandmother cause she's, she's pretty ill and, um, may not have a lot, a long time to come, but I, I feared this because I knew what was going to happen because she doesn't oh. understand or support the fact that I don't have a relationship with my mom. And I was gotcha. like, I, I had to prepare myself. Like, what are you going to say? When Mm -hmm. she inevitably tells you that you should have a relationship with your mom. Mm -hmm. And when she brought that up, instead of responding in anger uh, or like anything else, I simply looked at her like I prepped myself and said, 
I would like to have a good visit with you. And if we keep talking about this, it's not going to go well. So I, can we just please drop this subject? Well and she done. did. And I was like, great. Like, it still bothers me that she said that. Like, like I was thinking about it and I was like, my mom is abusive to, to me. And somebody that I love just told me that because my mom loves me, that it's okay. And I'm like, would she have ever told me that if it was like a spouse or a friend? Probably not, but it's my mom. So the boundaries, I, it was a challenge to me. I had to think about it. And that's one thing people don't realize is we talked about being intentional. Sometimes like if you know, something's going to happen, you have to prep yourself so you can be like, no, I'm not doing this. No, hundred percent. And that's so courageous. Like I commend you so much for being able to do that because that's hard. Mm-hmm. Most people will be like, oh, I'll just deal, you know, especially we're getting towards the holidays and stuff. It's like, oh, family dinners, let me just yeah. deal with whatever. And it's like, that is not the path to living a juicy life. Like I'm mm-hmm. going to just deal with like, no, we can, we can do hard things, you know, as our friend Glennon Doyle will, would say is we can do hard things and, and having boundaries and actually practicing them. That's very courageous. So my hat is off to you. Well done. Have you found that this gets easier for you or has gotten easier for you? Or do you still struggle sometimes with like, okay, uh, you feel like you need to go back into that people pleasing mode. I think that people pleasing mode is very much a default until it's not. Um, Mm. But I still catch myself, especially if I'm mentally exhausted or, Mm. you know, I can definitely see the direct relation in my ability to be good at this. I don't even like like saying good at this, but being strong versus how's my mental health today. Um, But I do think it gets easier. I also think that your people start to understand. Mm -hmm. So for me, the people around me and in my peer group really also were a big factor when I started to say no to some things that I felt pressure by my, my kind of group, Mm -hmm. they started to just learn. And then they kind of were just like, yeah, no, this is just how you are now. And, you know, so I think it really depends on, you know, the situation, but, and who your people are, are they willing to accept it? Because some people will fight it. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, in a situation where it's like your grandma, she also has a vested interest. It's complicated. She also has a vested interest in, you know, your mom being loved and Mm -hmm. cared for. And if we think about what are really the most common human desires, Mm -hmm. it's to be loved and to be understood. Yeah. And so as soon as you start having boundaries, you start threatening that Mm -hmm. for people. And so in my opinion, how people respond or react to my boundaries is a direct reflection of how much they respect me. Yeah. Are you willing to be a little bit uncomfortable while I'm also a little awkward and uncomfortable, but trying to stand up for myself or are your desires bigger than mine and you're not going to be okay with it. And then that's when, you know, for me at least, and I know not everybody is willing to do this is I pray regularly for those who are no longer of my highest good to be removed from my life. And that's, you know, people, places, things, that's anything that's, if it's no longer of my highest good, it's got to go. 
And that was something that was really hard for me because I'd start to see people exiting my life, but then Mm -hmm. there'd be people where I'd be like, oh no, but not them. And I'd grip on. And then it would be so painful because I knew they had to go, but I'd try to stop it. And then it's like, that's just causing me pain. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's kind of the the next level of, of self-mastery is, are you actually willing to let the people go who are no longer in alignment for you? You know, like you did with your mom and that's courageous, but that's also Mm self-respect. It's painful. So I found along my journey, I would say in the last five years has been like very transformative for me that some people will fall off, right? Mm -hmm. You don't fit the role they have for you in their heads. Mm -hmm. And so they just kind of fall off. Yep. And then other people, you have to forcibly remove them (laughs) (laughs) because you don't, you're not willing to accept the things you used to. Right. Um, And also you've changed, but they keep trying to put you into that, that role that they expected you to fill. And you have to forcibly be like, I'm not that person anymore. So you can't be here trying to force me to be somebody I'm not, but it's not easy. It is very painful. And I, you know, one of my, one of my, uh, longtime friends said people are in your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. I love that. I say that too. I love that one. And in recently since the COVID and everything and all the politics going on, I've seen people that I'm really close to and I really care about either I've had to forcibly remove them or the relationships start to disintegrate because we're Mm -hmm. in, we're on different pages of what's going on. And for some people, they're not, they're not willing to adapt and they're like, no, it's my way or the highway. Right. I was recently told that, like, I, I make the decisions here and I'm just like, (laughs) Okay. Well then that means I am not part of this equation anymore, you know? So, you know, people listening, I just want them to know is it's painful and it continues. It doesn't stop. Like you'll continue to, you know, stand up for yourself and involve and other people won't be able to accept that because they're staying stagnant where they are. Yeah. And, and kind of to go back to your question about, does it ever get easier? I think you, every time you continue to grow, and mm-hmm. elevate to a new level, there's new obstacles. Mm-hmm. I choose to subscribe to the belief that everything is happening for me, not mm-hmm. to me, you know, so being able to let go of that victimhood mindset will make it a lot easier for you, you know, yeah. because then I can be like, okay, well this, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. And also what you said, everyone is a season, a reason or a lifetime for me that let go of so much attachment Mm-hmm. to keeping people because I'm like, maybe it's already passed. Yeah. Maybe that was, that was the reason or that season is over. And I think we're, I think that's one of the conditionings that kind of our generation has grown up with this idea, this, you know, Disney fantasy, right. <laughs> <laughs> that there's forever. And not everybody is a forever and that's mm-hmm. fine. They don't have to be. But, you know, we have this idea that we're going to grow up and we're going to go to college and our whole life is going to be sorted by the time we're 23. And that's hilarious. When I think about who I was at 23 and 25, I'm like, right. 
I was just talking to my spouse about this. And I said to him, I was like, we've matured so much in our relationship. I was like, well, at least I have. You're have you were mature when we started this relationship. So I'm not sure that your growth was as dramatic, but I was very immature. I'm like, you know, and um that we were talking about that. Like it's just like such a change, and you can you can look back and see it and like be proud of yourself that you were willing to change. Like there's I'm from a very small town in upstate New York. Um very close-minded views up there. Mm-hmm. And so when I uh, first married my spouse and moved to Virginia, which was like a culture shock to me, because it's very rural where I'm from. And, and we lived in a city, like near Virginia beach. So it's huge cities. Um, it was a culture shock. I'm like, what is all this? And I had to learn like what you were taught growing up that that was problematic like what I was taught was problematic, but there are people, the point of me saying this, there are people who I went to high school with and stuff who stayed in that mindset. Like they never Mm -hmm. grew. They never learned. I mean, even though there's Google and all these like ways that you can access this information, they choose not to, and they choose to just stay stuck. Yep. hundred percent. And it's absolutely a choice. And I think that you hit the, the, the key of all of this is willingness. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love to think of willingness. And I, I share this a lot with my sponsees is we really just need the tiniest sliver of willingness. You know, if you mm-hmm. think about it, like a locked door, you really only just have to unlock it for whatever grace or, or was on the other side of willingness to start to come through. And, but it's an active choice. Mm-hmm. And so often people don't realize that. And they're kind of just sitting around like, well, this is my circumstance or this and that. And it's like, no, like, I don't accept that. You know, I'm willing to see things differently. I'm willing to grow. And it's always so funny hearing my bio read like to me and <laughs> read out loud, but I truly am committed to a life of constant and ever ending improvement because of this exact reason is as long as I'm willing to grow, which growth is one of the six basic human needs. Um, it's, it's one of the two spiritual ones, but if I'm willing to grow, I know I will never stay stuck and I will never mm-hmm. stay small. Yeah. And for me, that's like death the, at this well, point in my life. The world will keep going and you'll just be left yeah. behind. Like the world's <laughs> always evolving. Society's always evolving, mm-hmm. evolving what we learn. Like we learn something new all the time. We think right now people think we know everything, but we don't. Like, so we're learning all the time. And if somebody's not willing to learn and willing to grow and willing to evolve throughout their lifetime, they just are left behind. And, and that's the sad truth really. And I think that that's also so relates to kind of back to our conversation about boundaries mm-hmm. is the people in your life who can adapt and evolve, or at least respect your growth. And even if they don't, you know, their, their role in your life changes, can they still love and respect you? Mm -hmm. To me, that shows more respect for me than anything else Yeah, is, can you, you know, if (laughs) I don't think I have any of these people left in my life, but someone who would be like, oh my gosh, you've changed. How could you have changed? I'm like, that's the whole point. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm so glad you noticed. I've had a best friend for 15 years 
And she has seen almost every version of me mm-hmm. thus far. And we've adopted. Now our friendship isn't quite, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, we don't talk all the time. Uh, we see each other a couple times a year, but that friendship just like maintains, yeah. like we could not see each other for months and then see each other. And it's like, catch right back up and we, we get right back to that place, which she's seen. And I've seen the evolutions of her as well. And instead of like fighting that and expecting each other to like fit the old roles, mm-hmm. we have, we have adapted our idea of each other and accepted and supported that we both have changed. Uh, and you know, we're in a certain season of our lives and I will tell you besides my spouse, there is or and my sister, there is no other person in my life besides her that has seen that evolution and accepted it. There's mm-hmm. nobody I can say that has been around all these years and been like, okay, yeah, every single other person has fought it like, or fought it at some point in time. Right. I have family members that like fought it. And then they like came around they're like, okay. Um, but like <laughs> my sister, my spouse, and my best friend are the only ones that just supported and accepted and went along with it. Even those times that the versions of me were destructive, they still mm-hmm. were there for me. And those are the gems and, and those, those relationships, I don't think look like we may think they do, Mm -hmm. you know, those, especially in my life as well, those are not the people that I see every day or that I talk to, you know, they may be in another state or, you know, doing what they're doing or have children or whatever. Those, those are the people that are like, to me, what I would call like, you know, your ride or dies. Like those are, you can pick up the phone, you can call them and they're going to be there to support you because you're not going to hesitate. You're not going to be like, oh, where are we? Yeah. It's like, there's none of that. But um, I heard a really awesome quote the other day and it was saying how, and I'm going to butcher it now that I. It happens to me all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But something along the lines of a successful relationship and any relationship is Mm -hmm. grieving and honoring the deaths of every version of ourselves. Yep. And when you think about um, relationships uh, with a significant partner. I, I think about that and I'm like, man, like that's really is the goal to me is like having a partner who's willing to support, grieve and grow through every version of me as I grow and die, you know, as, cause we do all the time and change. And then I think about other people who are so miserable and they're like, oh, we've just grown apart or we, you know, and of course there's obviously these things happen. Um, But I'm always just so curious of like, but did you choose, was that a choice? Right. Did you choose not to continue to grow together? Because in my mind, any successful relationship or friendship is that constant willingness to grow And if you're both growing in a a similar direction, at least if you're both growing and you grow apart, like fine, but if you're still willing to grow and at least in the same direction and then honor their path Mm -hmm. and honor your path, like that's, that's beautiful to me. That's the goal is, is someone who will honor that. And I think as you get older and you continue to do this work, 
your circle does get smaller. Yeah. Mine's like five people. people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like if you had asked me five years ago, it would have been, I mean, it's probably not as four people, but um, if you'd asked me like five years ago, I would have been like, I got like 10 people, 20 people, like all these people. But like, like you said, as you grow older, you come to realize like, those aren't your people. Like those aren't your people. They might be acquaintances. They might mm-hmm. be people you enjoy like going out with or spending time with or whatever, but those aren't your people. The people, yep. like you said, you can call no matter what you can open up. And even if you haven't talked in months, you know, that they will be there for you. Yep. Absolutely. And I think I, I, and not, a, I, I don't even think I, I would so much rather have a small handful, you know, that I could count on one hand of those people mm-hmm. and know that I at least have them in my corner while I constantly grow and figure we, none of us arrived here with a user manual, right? How to, how to do this thing, you know, and we're all just figuring it out and everybody's path is different. And, you know, I would rather have two or three people who really respect and support me as I fumble through this, you know, journey of life and, some days I get it right. And some days I get it wrong. Right. And <laughs> some days are just totally mediocre days and that's fine. But I'd much rather have those, those couple people that I know aren't going to judge me are always mm-hmm. going to support me and, you know, just truly be like respectful, decent humans, you know? Yeah. I mean? Um, so as we wrap up the podcast, because I always say this, the time goes, it flies by. I'm like, I, we're just chatting and I'm like, ha, huh, time. Uh, <laughs> this has been a great and I feel like very informative uh, conversation and hopefully inspires people to like really take a good deep look into their lives. But uh, what would you like to leave the Inspired Women audience with? Mm. I would say that as discomfort comes up, let it be a sign that you're pointing in the right direction, not a sign to turn the other way. Mm. And as you're finding and feeling discomforts, you know, whatever that is in life, um, really allowing yourself to take a moment and pause and reflect on where that's coming from. And is that coming from some conditioning you had from a child or something that, you know, maybe your mother said to you at some point and ask yourself, is this ultimately true for me? Mm. And maybe it's not. And in that one little moment, you can change your life. You know, no, I'm not willing to put up with this anymore. Or, you know, I, I, this is not actually what makes me happy or, and it's just that one tiny little conversation with yourself. So I always love to say that any discomfort or resistance is always pointing you in the right direction because the goal is always coming back to knowing ourselves better. Yeah. So don't run from it, lean into it, lean into the discomfort. (laughs) Yep. hundred percent. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This was so great. Thank you so much. We, we had so many tangents, but I feel like we've covered so much. So this is wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.